0: Hey, everybody. Good morning. Come on. I'm excited. What a great day to be together as family, right? Come on. That's why we're together. Um, I'd just like to say we had an incredible time on Friday night at at our burning night. Uh, We got together five hours of just worship and praise to Jesus for no other reason than he is worthy for no other reason than he is holy. For no other reason that we want to waste our lives, give our lives to him. And so we have people who dropped in for some of it, all of it. Our bands were incredible. Uh, so make sure to check out when we have our next Burning Night coming up. It's, it's just incredible. Every single time I receive and I worship and it's amazing. Uh, if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, please pull them out or look it up on your phone. Uh, And turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are going to be starting at Ephesians 1 and 2 in order to land where I feel the Lord has us going in Ephesians 3 and 4. So Ephesians 1 and 2, and we're going to land in Ephesians 3 and 4. Don't worry, we are not going to read all of it. However, I would suggest to you to read it. One of my my assignments in Bible college was either I could choose to write a paper or I could choose to memorize the book of Ephesians. I wrote the paper. <laughs> I have not hit my goal yet of writing, of um, memorizing the book of Ephesians, but it's an incredible, incredible book. And I love it because Paul, is, Paul just starts to share with us who God is, who we are, and what that means, what that looks like worked out in Christian living, what that looks like worked out in Christian life on a day-to-day basis. So Ephesians 1 Please turn with me there. And we're going to start at Ephesians 1, verse 3. This is what Paul starts to say. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. So, my friends, you are chosen, you are called, and when God looks at you, He sees you as holy and blameless. I want you to turn to your neighbor, look them in the eye, and say, You are called. No, 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 no. It's got to be with conviction because you are called. You are called. You are chosen. What we're going to be doing is jumping off what Duncan and Murray have started preaching about over the past few weeks. Duncan, a couple of weeks ago, talked about John twenty twenty one that as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, is what Jesus said to his disciples. And then Murray last week talked about our dependence as a child, how we depend on our Father. But it only comes knowing that he has called us, that he has chosen us, and in him we are blameless, in him we are righteous, in him we are holy, because we are made to look like him and be like him. And then Paul goes on to jump with me down to Ephesians 1:17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Come on, his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us to believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come and if you are looking for a prayer to make a prayer for your own life i would highly suggest Ephesians 1:18 or Ephesians 1.17, that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that you may know him better. See, something begins to happen when we begin to ask God for wisdom. This is why Solomon, when he asked God for wisdom, God, God got so excited and said, not only am I going to give you what you asked for, I'm going to give you everything that you didn't ask for. I'm going to add long years. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to um, give you peace in your lifetime. I'm going to make you famous. Because Solomon asked for wisdom, and by extension, he asked to know God better. And that pleases the Lord. And so if you are looking to please the Lord, everybody, ask him for wisdom. We cannot know him other than he's known us first. We cannot love him other than he's loved us first. And so ask him for wisdom. But that wisdom that he gives you begins to overflow into every single area of your life. And we're going to jump into that. So Paul here, Ephesians 1, covers this is, this is who God is. This is what he's done. And in Ephesians 2, he starts to bring that home to us. And this is what he says, Ephesians 2, verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. See, we were hopeless in our sin. We were hopeless in our rebellion to God. At one point or another, every single human being on the face of the earth has said to God, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to find my life apart from you. I don't need you. And that's what it means to sin. And Paul here is saying that we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sin. We were hopeless. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse four, are you ready for this? But because of his great love for us, ah, but because of his great love for us. And I was reading this one day, and, I was, and I'd been praying this prayer. God, would you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you more? And then I said, oh, God, what do you want to say to me? And I'll never forget what the Lord said. He said, John, I have a big butt. I was like, whoa, get behind me, Satan. I do not want to listen to you. I rebuke you. I reject you. God, my wonderful heavenly Father, What do you want to say to me, your humble servant? Once again, I felt like the Lord whispered into my heart, John, I have a big butt for you. See, because this is what happens is that in Ephesians 2, Paul is writing about all the reasons we're disqualified. He's writing about our sin. He's writing about the wrath of God. He's writing about our failings. He's writing about our shortcomings. And every single time... There's a but God that God has for your life. I don't care if you say to yourself, Well, I'm rejected, I've been rejected since childhood, I've, I, no one likes me, no one wants to be with me, but God. Well, I'm poor, I've always been poor, I've never known what it's like not to be poor, but God. Well, I've never, I've never known what it's like to be accepted. I've never known what it's like to be wise. I've never, I'm just stupid. I'm no good. I don't have good grades. All the reasons that you can think of to disqualify yourself are precisely the reasons why God has a big but for you in your life. And he is saying over your life, you may disqualify yourself, but God... But me, but for my grace, but for my righteousness, but for my mercy, but for who I am in your life. And so God has a big butt for you and for me. Come on. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, man, come on, man, I just love God's big butt. It means so much to me. God's big butt. And now what Paul goes on to say is that because God has a big butt for you, what was the defining characteristics of your life are no longer the defining characteristics. He has now, you have now died with him, being raised with him, And now you are seated in heavenly places with him in Christ Jesus. So you are now living from heaven towards earth. That means that heaven is your home. That means that heaven is your zip code. Heaven is where you hang out. And this is what God has started to do inside of us. Then Paul goes on to talk about, from Ephesians 11 down to Ephesians 22, he starts to talk about how God has broken down, what this means for us is God has broken down walls of hostility between us. It means that before when the human race was fragmented, before when the human race was apart from one another, before when the human race was judging one another, condemning one another, trying to kill one another, God has broken down every single wall of hostility. So that means that he has removed in Christ Jesus every barrier for racism, every barrier for classism, every barrier for genderism, every single barrier that says that I am different from you And you are wrong and I am better. That's why in the people of God, in the family of God, there was absolutely no room for racism. That's why in the people of God, we can can have people who are rich and who are poor side by side. That's why we can have people from different walks of life sitting together. That's why we can have uh, people who would hate one another normally we culturally be taught to hate one another. That's why I can have, as someone who was born in Pakistan, some of my best friends are Sumit and Asangla Deshpande, who are from India. And for those of you who don't know, Indians and Pakistanis uh, culturally are, have a lot of animosity towards each other, hate one another. And I love going over to their house, because I feel like I'm at my family's house. Asangla makes me curry, just like my mama. Sumit is like my brother. They're kids. I just want to hug. They're so cute. They're so adorable. And it doesn't matter matter whether you're Indian, whether you're Thai, whether you're Vietnamese, whether you're Canadian, whether whether you're Mexican, whether you're American, whether you're British. It doesn't matter because we can love one another. Because in Christ Jesus, the wall of hostility has been brought down. That means we don't look down our noses at one another. That means we don't make fun of one another. We don't gossip about one another. That's what it means when Paul says he has his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two thus making peace. See what Christ did? Was he grabbed he grabbed <laughs> Um, race A and he grabbed race B who were hostile towards one another took them into himself and he died and when he died their hostility died so I'm telling you this if you are holding on to hostilities towards other races it's because you haven't died with Christ yet it's because you haven't grasped the gospel yet And and God's inviting you today to go deeper into his love and deeper into his truth Now, coming out of this revelation, this is what Paul starts to say. He's talked about us. He's talked about God. Now he starts to talk about the church and the church's purpose and the church's role. Turn with me to Ephesians 3. Paul says this. I became a servant of this gospel. Actually, sorry, let's back up to to verse 6. Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. We are sharers. We have become inheritors of Jesus Christ, everybody. Partakers of the divine nature of God, as Peter talks about. And then Paul goes on to say, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. (laughs) Ha ha! The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now listen carefully. His intent. So this is the intent of God in doing this. This is the intent of God through the gospel. This is the intent of God about creating one new person out of the two. His intent was that now through the church, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just in case you all missed that, I'm going to read that one more time. His intent was that now, everybody say now, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. The manifold wisdom of God, what that means is a multifaceted, the multidimensional The When you look at it, you just can't stop looking at it because every time it shifts, it changes a little bit. Every time you move, you see it a little bit differently. And the more you stare into it, the more you realize, wow, that is incredible. And God is saying, Paul is saying that this is God's purpose for us through, through what he's done. This is what he starts to do is he brings people of different tribes, nationalities, classes, genders together. And together we form the church which he fills with his spirit. And then we get to show the multidimensional reality of God, not just to this world, but to the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this realm. See, because what happened was, because before time began, there was an angel, and his name was Lucifer. And Lucifer he wanted to overthrow God. He wanted the worship that was meant for God. And so he got cast down to earth. He wanted to be like God. And he got cast down to earth. And he was roaming around on the earth. And, and God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve gave him the keys. He gave him the authority to this, to this planet. And so he took it, and he was ruling, and he was reigning until Jesus Christ came strolling into history. And Jesus Christ, on that cross, when he died, he took back the keys of death. He took back the authority. He took back what had been given over to Satan, and then he gave it to us. And now what Jesus says is, go, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so I'm going to fill you with my spirit and give you my authority to go and do what I'm doing. And now Satan is going, oh my goodness. Before time began, there was just one son of God. Now there's millions of them. And they're full of the same spirit. They're one family. They're being joined together. And I am being tortured because I am seeing the different dimensions of God played out as they go about in their daily lives. And together, you and I get to proclaim the wisdom and the plan of God to this world and also to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We proclaim it to the angels and we proclaim it to the demons. And we say that no matter what, God's plans and God's purposes cannot be thwarted. No matter what, God is good. And he has a big butt for our lives that is changing us and is transforming us. And so because of that, I'm in a great mood. Because of that, There's nothing you can do that will stop me. Because of that, there's nothing you can do that will beat me down. There's nothing you can do that will defeat me because I'm already seated in Christ in heavenly places and I live from heaven towards the earth. Do what you want. I'm good. I win. And so what Paul is saying is that we get to display the multifaceted, the multidimensional, the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. But he says, how, how does this get accomplished? He says, it's through the church. Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say it's through a church, right? He's not saying that it's only through the select domina- denomination that this is going to happen. So if you don't belong to that denomination, tough. What he's saying is that through the church, through the people who are redeemed and chosen and holy by God, through the people who God has put his spirit into, that we declare the manifold wisdom of God. And this brings me to where I want to camp out for a little bit this morning. Friends, we are the church. And we are called into the world. We are the church. We are the dream that God had before time began. We are his body here on the earth. We are filled with his spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that flows in you and in me. And together, collectively, not just at Catch the Fire, but collectively around the triangle, collectively around the world, we make up the body of Jesus Christ. And through the church, we get to share and display the splendor and the wisdom of God. Now, notice what else Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, on Sunday mornings, the manifold wisdom of God is displayed. He doesn't say, at 2304 Page Road, the manifold wisdom of God gets displayed. He doesn't say, here in this building, the manifold wisdom of God gets displayed. I am so incredibly grateful for our building. I thank God for it. I thank God for our generous church family. I thank God that we have pledged together, that we are walking together to purchase it and to make it our home. But the reality is, it's still a building. And if tomorrow an earthquake were to happen, or a fire were to happen, or a flood were to happen, and this building was totally destroyed, that would not affect the church one bit. The church is not buildings. The church is people. The church is you and is me. And sometimes we have this idea that the pastors are the ones They're the ones who are going to do the ministry. Oh, you need prayer? Let me take you to my church. Oh, you want to receive Jesus into your life? Let me take you to my church. When in fact, God is sending you into your workplaces and your families and your mission field, the people around you are your mission field. The people around you are the ones God is sending you to to display his manifold wisdom. And there are people that you will meet during the course of your everyday life who will never set foot inside of a church building. They have no interest in it. It's completely foreign to them. But what they're looking for is a life of love laid laid down. A life that will give of themselves for them. A life that will serve them. A life that will love them. So please, don't ever say, I'm going to go to church this morning. Because that gets it into your head that the church is something I go to instead of something I am. This building is a place we gather, and we gather to be equipped and to be trained in order to be sent out. See, because Paul goes on from Ephesians 3, he's, he's talking about the church, he's talking about what God's doing. In Ephesians 4, turn with me, Ephesians 4, 11, he starts to say this. It was he, God, Jesus, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Sometimes we put an emphasis on the first half of that statement instead of the second half. We talk about the pastors and the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Some of you in this room are thinking, preach it, John, I'm a prophet. Prophet to the nations. I'm a pastor, pastor of the people. I'm a teacher, teacher of the word of God. The point, the focus, isn't on the prophets, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, or the evangelists. The focus is what they're due. And the focus for them is to prepare God's people for works of service. Other translations say prepare God's people for ministry. Ministry is not the job of the pastors and the teachers and the leaders. Ministry is for each and every single one of you. Your job is your ministry. Your family is your ministry. You are called into the ministry, friends. I have good news for you. The moment you accepted Jesus into your life, you didn't know it. He called you to his ministry. And I like to say this. I'm not in the ministry. My job is in the ministry. My job is to train you and equip you so that you can be good at the ministry. You can be good at reaching out to those around you. You can be good at praying for people and loving people. And this is why we put an emphasis on getting your heart healed up, because if you because you know the the old um, the first commandment, love your love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Will God help your neighbor if you don't love yourself? You know what I'm saying? There are some people who I'm like, you just need some self-love right now. You need to go and hang out and learn that you are a child of your Heavenly Father. Because that will make you so much nicer to be with. <laughs> That's why we have courses. That's why we have um, areas for you to get involved with. areas for you to be, receive ministry, receive grace, receive power. So that you can be equipped to be sent out. If you are waiting for the pastors and leaders to be the ones doing ministry, you're gonna be waiting a long time and you're gonna be frustrated and I'm gonna be frustrated, let's just be honest. But if we get it into our hearts and we get it into our minds that God has called me and I'm called at my workplace, I'm called in my family, I'm called in my school, period we will start to change the world. We'll start to transform our cities. I was just out at a conference called Transform Our World. And I went there. I read a, I read a few of Dr. Ed Silvosa's book. We just, had him, we just had him here a few months ago. And it was incredible. But I didn't know what to expect. And when I showed up, I was shocked. I was shocked because of this. I was shocked because under one roof, We had people from all walks of life, and from all walks of life, I don't just mean America, I mean around the world. We had over 27 nations represented at the conference. We had people who flew in from Hong Kong, who flew in from Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, people from Canada, people from Mexico, people from Britain, people from Africa. People flew in from all over the world, from Asia, from Australia. They flew in. And you would think that they would all be involved in a specific field. They're not. They're all over the place. You had simultaneously people who were selling ice cream out of their ice cream stands, people who were taxi drivers, people who were CEOs of corporations. We had some musicians from Nashville uh, who, who have been nominated from some awards there. We had people who were pastors and leaders. We had people who were businessmen, doctors, lawyers. I mean, you go down and down the list, there were so many different types of occupations there. And this is what blew me away, is that every single one of them, every single one of the people who presented, were so excited about their work. They were so excited about what God had put in front of them. There was a pharmacist who shared that all of his patients were actually his sheep, and he was their pastor. He said, I am the pastor here. I'm the only pastor that these people, some of them are ever going to experience. And I have to pray for them. I have to show them who Jesus is. I got to meet someone who, is, um, who, who was selling ice cream. And she's known for selling ice cream because she leads all these people to the Lord. And they're excited because they're saying, no, no, no. The church isn't a place that we go to. We are the church and we bring the battle to the kingdom of darkness we go into hell and we plunder it to populate heaven. And that is my prayer for us as a family at Catch the Fire, Raleigh, Durham, everybody, that we would plunder hell to populate heaven. You are being sent into your workplaces. You are sent to your neighbors. You are sent to your schools. You are sent to your workplaces. You are sent. Jesus himself said, as the Father sends me, I am sending you. So the question isn't if you are sent. The question is when and where, period. You're sent. You are sent. When we truly get this into our beings, we'll start to realize that God is just as passionate about the lost, about the broken and the hurting, as he is for the ones who seem to have it all together he is also intensely involved in our lives and cares deeply about your occupation. We start to become I know some, what some of you are thinking you're you're sitting in your seats here and you're going, "Yeah, John, preach it," just like George Washington Carver. Right? That's what we were all thinking, right? For those of you who weren't thinking that, let me bring you up to speed. George Washington Carver was he was born as a slave. He was born before the Civil War happened. And one night some night raiders came to his house and they kidnapped him, his brother, and his family and they took off. And his master, when they heard about it, went after them, recovered George and his brother but unfortunately he never knew his mother. And then the Civil War happened and George was proclaimed as a free man. And he began to study and study hard. He got good grades at high school. He went to university, the first black man in his university to attend. And he became a biologist. And he, George was also a deeply spiritual man. He would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and go out into the countryside and he would pray. And he would ask the Lord to show him the secrets of the plants and the secrets of, uh, of the animals, of the insects. He asked the Lord to open up that world to him. And, He was praying one day and he said, dear God, would you just show me the secrets of the universe? And the Lord responded with, George, small man, you are way too small to ever know the secrets of the universe. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the secret to the peanut. And what George realized was that his beloved south, the soil had been depleted by the growth of cotton. The peanut back in the day was nothing special. No one really wanted to grow it. They didn't have any uses for it. And George said, well, Lord, if you're going to show me what the peanuts are and what we can use them for, I'm in. And he started to devote his life to figuring out what we could do with the humble little legume called the peanut. Are you ready for this? He discovered not one, not two, not three, not ten. I mean, I look at this and I go, yeah, I can eat it. I can maybe grind it up and use it for, if I need to put sod down, or I I don't know, I could do something like that. He didn't discover one or two or three. He didn't discover four or five or six. He didn't discover ten or twenty. He didn't discover fifty. He didn't discover a hundred. He discovered over three hundred applications for the peanut in his lifetime. Simply because he said, God, you are interested in what I do. Would you come and do it with me? See, we have this idea that they're sacred and they're secular work. Up here, this is sacred. Up here, that's a pastor's job. I could never do that. You're right, you're not called to that. We can't all be pastors pastoring a church. We can't all be prophets and apostles and evangelists. But we can all be prophets and pastors and evangelists. Because it is sacred work what we do. What you are called to is sacred. What you are called to, the Lord is deeply, intensely involved in. And what would happen if some of you took this seriously and began to pray, Oh Lord, I'm a marketer. Would you show me your heart behind marketing? Would you show me new ways to market? Lord, I'm in IT, but Lord, I know that before man ever invented computers, you knew all about computers. And so, Lord, would you come and begin to unlock new ways of coding? Would you come and begin to unlock new ways of security? Would you come and begin to unlock new ways of software development? If you're in business management, Lord, would you begin to show me new ways of managing the company? Lord, would you begin to show me new ways of fixing my car if you're a mechanic? Because then we don't only display the multi dimensional of God in our relationships. We begin to show what a creative, powerful, incredible God He is, that He already knew everything that we are just discovering. That's it. That's all we're going for. It's been said that scientists are climbing the mountain of progress, and bit by bit, we're getting to the top. And when we get to the top, finally when the scientist pulls himself up and pulls himself over and sitting there at the peak has already been the theologian. Because God was already there. And God has already known everything about every sort of industry that each of you are involved in. So what if we begin to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me grace and wisdom? Would you anoint me? Lord, I claim my company for you. Lord, I claim my workplace for you. Would you allow me to pray with others and show them who you are? But Lord, would you give me excellence in my work? See, because when you look at the Bible, there's story after story after story of people who weren't pastors, who weren't leaders in the church, but they made a difference in their world because they did their job excellently. People like Daniel, people like Joseph, people like Esther, they had an excellent spirit about them. And when you have excellence upon you, Doors will open for you that no man can open, and doors will shut for you that no man can shut. And it's because the Lord will bring your name before kings. Proverbs 22 29 says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings, he will not serve before obscure men. And if you make it your life's ambition, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, I'm painting, I'm just painting away. I haven't heard from you, but I'm painting. And so Lord ask that you give me the wisdom with how to paint these walls and paint this home to your glory. He starts to fill you and shine out from you and starts to transform the world around you. What if you took it upon your heart to say, I'm the only pastor that some of my coworkers are ever gonna meet. What if, they, what if some of you are called to ministry, but you're in business, And you're in business because they're actually your sheep. You're in business because they're the people the Lord has given to you. For some of you who have a prophetic gift and you're frustrated because you haven't been able to use it. What if you're called to use it in your workplace? What if you're called to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me insight into my coworkers' lives? Lord, would you give me insight into our business and what's coming up? Church, there's so much more for us than showing up on a Sunday morning and going back home. Just like sitting in a car, sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. Sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. And here's the point, is that as we do that, we begin to share the multidimensional, multifaceted wisdom of God. we begin to to proclaim and display his splendor and his glory to Raleigh and to Durham and to Chapel Hill. So please, I'm going to end with this thought. Get it out of your mind that we come to church in order to escape the world. Right? Some of us, we have this idea. (laughs) We have this idea Oh my gosh, my workplace is so difficult. Oh my gosh, my coworker is so difficult. Do you know what she said? Do you know what she did? She gossiped about me. She said the S word. Shoot. My virgin years can't handle that. If I can just make it to Bible study, if I can just make it to Ignite Group, if I can just make it on Sunday morning, I'm going to be okay. Because I'm going to get my shot in the arm of churchianity and go back. And I'll be able to make it through another week. When we live like that, we live event-based Christianity instead of spirit-like Christianity. And when we live like that, we live as if we're just trying to get to heaven. My friends, we're not meant to go to heaven right now. Why? Because we're seated in heaven. We're seated in heavenly places, right? Right? And we are meant to live from heaven towards the earth. So let me ask you this. If you're not supposed to go to heaven, where are you supposed to go to? Maybe you're supposed to go to hell and plunder it for heaven. Maybe the Lord has called you to save people, to see people, and to love them where they are to see them brought into the kingdom of his son and brought into the kingdom of heaven so that he can then send them into their workplaces. So if we're not called to go to heaven, where are we called to? We're supposed to go to hell, plunder hell. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, go to hell. Go to hell. Plunder hell. plunder hell. To populate heaven. This is what drives my heart. This is what burns my heart that we would plunder hell and populate heaven and see Jesus get his full reward because Jesus is going to be saving nations. He's going to be saving peoples and people groups. What if the Lord has called you? You're not called to everything, but you're called to something. What if the Lord has called you to Muslims? What if the Lord's called you to Hindus? What if the Lord's called you to the First Nations? What if the Lord's called you to Americans, to Canadians? What if the Lord's called you to doctors? What if the Lord's called you to lawyers? Then go and plunder those areas and for the kingdom of heaven with all your heart and with all your might. And together we will display the multifaceted wisdom of God in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families. And we will start to transform this area. Come on. All right, let's stand. If that's you, and, and as I've been speaking, you've been saying, yes, Lord, that's me. I want, you, I want you just to open up your arms, open up your hands right now. And I want you to begin to tell him. This isn't for The person on your right or on your left, this isn't for your neighbor or your spouse or the person in front of you or behind you. This is you and the Lord right now. And if as I've been speaking, some of you, I see fires are starting to light inside you and you are saying, yes, Lord, I will give my life for this. Yes, Lord, I will live for this and I will die for this. Yes, Lord, I will lay my life down that you might fill it and that I might show your multidimensional, glorious glorious grace to this world. I want you to begin just to tell him, just say, yes, Lord, in my heart, I will go and ask him, Lord, who are you sending me to? Lord, who are the ones that you are calling me to? Who are the ones that I I am their pastor? That they are the sheep that you have put in my path. They are the ones that you love. How can I love them? How can I show them who you are? I want you to ask him, because some of you, you're going to start seeing faces flash before your eyes. For some of you, it's your family. For some of you, it's your coworkers. For some of you, it's your um, peers. For some of you, it's your bosses. For some of you, it's your teachers. But I believe that the Lord is starting to show you faces. For some of you, it's, it's actually leaving and going elsewhere. whatever it is, we want to say yes to him this morning. We say yes to you this morning, Lord. Lord, would you use us as Catch the Fire, Raleigh-Durham. Lord, would you use us as a part of your church. Would you use us as your body. And would you so fill us and embody us with your spirit that we transform the world around us. That we plunder hell to populate heaven, oh God. With all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, we ask this, God, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and so walk with you? But, Lord, with all of our hearts, we ask you, and I want you to begin to ask him right now for what's on your heart. I ask you, Lord, for the nation of doctors that they would know you. Lord, I ask you for the nation of lawyers that they would know you. I ask you for the nation of art students that they would know you. I ask you for the nation of uh, producers. I ask you for the nation of directors. I ask you for and the nation of business managers, of janitors, of salespeople. Lord, I ask you for wisdom with how to serve them and love them. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I speak a blessing over you, church family, I bless you to be full of fire, full of his passion, full of his presence, full of his love, and to take what you have been given and give it away to Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill until this entire region is covered with a knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea and we see the multidimensional, multifaceted, manifold wisdom of God manifested, shown to those around us. We're going to invite the ministry team to come on up. We'd love to pray with you. If there are any of you who um, want someone to agree with you, anyone to, to bless you in this commission, bless you in this calling, bless you as you go to work, bless you as you go to school. But we're going to dismiss, and I can just say this. Thank God it's Monday. Thank God Monday's coming around because our mission field is right around the corner. And there's things that God's going to be doing through us tomorrow morning. And we want to hear about it. So please let us know. Let us know. Bless you, church family. Jackie, over to you.